الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين استفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم انما يتكبر الله من المتقين سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم we live in a world in which everybody wants to have the highest quality in a quality conscious world you want the highest quality education you can get admission into you want the highest quality professor you have access to you want to drive the best quality car that you can afford you want to live in the highest quality home that you can afford you want to live in the best quality neighborhood that you can you want to get the best quality education for your children that you can the factories corporations have entire departments now called quality control total quality management everybody is trying to peak and max the quality that they have in economic development we talk about quality of life human development their quality of life indices and mashallah apparently norway is maybe number 1 or in the top 5 of quality of life it means quality of materialistic life so if in every aspect of our life we want to have the highest quality or we say a'la miyar we want to have the highest standard is it only our deen that we don't have this attitude that we want to have high quality how many of us think like that that i want to pray the highest quality salah that i can i want to have the highest quality taqwa that i can i want to have the highest quality haya that i can i want to have the highest quality sabr that i can i want to have the highest quality shukr that i can in order we would say dunya mein mehar aur deen mein guzara means in english that when it comes to the world we hold ourselves to a standard and we want to have the highest standard possible but when it comes to the deen we're just scraping through we're just passing by so this is not called balance this is not a balanced approach to life this is imbalance balance would be what nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us strive for whatever quality you can attain through lawful means in this world and strive for the highest quality of deen that you can possibly have sayyidina rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said katab allah al ihsana fi kulli shay allah taala has made mandatory for us prescribed for us ihsan ihsan means to have virtuous noble excellence beauty in what we do fi kulli shay in every single thing that we do if you're a student be the best student you can be if you're a professor be the best professor you can be If you're a worker be the best worker you can be. Everybody says yes this is wonderful. This is the this is what the muslim need to hear. Yes fine. But also if you're going to pray pray the best prayer you can pray. If you're going to be an ummati, a member of the ummah, say na rasulullah sallallahu try to be the best member of the ummah. Try to be the best dai, try to have the best adab, try to have the best akhlaq. We don't have that concept. And even more than that in this day and age we live in a world of upgrade. Everybody wants to upgrade. Even if you have the best quality phone, within one or two years you want to upgrade. 
You have the best quality laptop. Within three, four years, you want to upgrade. Somebody has a good car. After five, six years, he wants to upgrade. You have a good position in your organization. You want a promotion. You want to upgrade. So what it means is that we're so interested in dunya that not only are we happy that we get, not only are we seeking high quality, we're never content. We're constantly pushing the barrier, pushing the frontier. We want to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. So when are we going to upgrade our taqwa? When are we going to upgrade our sunnah? When are we going to upgrade our adab? When are we going to upgrade our ibadah? When are we going to upgrade our sabr? And if somebody says that, no, I'm constantly progressing in the world, but I'm exactly where I am in deen, that's a problem. That's not balance. For example, your university students. So imagine if I told you, okay, you're a first-year medical student, or first-year in economics, or first-year in accounting, and you're going to stay in first-year for three years. You'll say, what? <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I'm always going to get promoted. My second year will be better than my first year. My third year will be better than my second year. I say, okay, let's say you have a four-year degree here. By the time you graduate, you will only know the same amount that you knew when you first entered. You will look at me like I'm crazy. You said, that's not possible. There's no way that I won't make progress. And if I say to you that however much Quran you had memorized when you came in, you will only know the same Quran when you graduate, no problem. We won't say it with our tongue, but actions speak louder than words. This is the case of most people. I said, the level of concentration you have in your prayer today, you'll have the same concentration four years from now. No problem. The amount that you know about Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala has asma'ul husna. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, لِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ husna فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا That to Allah Ta'ala belong the infinitely beautiful names. Make dua, call upon Allah Ta'ala, understand Allah Ta'ala, reach out to Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala using the feelings of those names. And I say, when you came into university, you only knew ten of those names. When you graduate, you still only know ten. So no problem. When it comes to our dunya, we want quality, we want progress, we want improvement, we want upgrade. And when it comes to deen, we're same old, same old. We don't have that on a horizon. If I ask a young man or woman, what would you like to get done in the next five years? They will write me a whole long list. Allah SWT doesn't even make their list. I want to graduate, I want a residency, I want a job, I'm going to get my first check, I'm going to get a promotion, I'm going to get this, they'll keep around, I'm going to get married, I'm going to get this, I'll move out, a whole list. I say, turn the page, write more. It'll again be all things about the world. It won't say anywhere. I'm going to learn how to pray properly. I'm going to start praying in such a way that from the second I say, Allahu Akbar, to when I say, Assalamu Alaikum, I will never think of anything except Allah Ta'ala. I learn to learn more Muslim du'as. I need to pronounce Qur'an better. I need to have ilmu sunnah better. I need to have more love for Allah Ta'ala. That won't even be on their list. <laughs> it's not on their wish list. Can you imagine we have become like that? That Allah Ta'ala is not even on our wish list. Every blessing in the dunya and bounty is on our wish list. Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala in deen is not on our wish list. We want to be talented in dunya. We're not thinking about being talented in akhirah. We pride ourselves that I'm educated, I'm well-spoken, I know English, I know Norwegian, I study at University of Bergen, I'm doing medicine, I'm doing engineering. And we get all these talents and we want more. We're trying to accumulate and accrue and gather more and more and more talents. Being talented in the dunya. If you do it within the jais, perfectly fine. But what about trying to become talented in akhirah? We say in Urdu, you don't want to end up like this. 
or Akhirat me fakir. That you are well off in this world. You are well respected in this world. You had the bounties and blessings and talents in this world and you show up to Allah on the Day of Judgment and you're bankrupt. You have very little things in your book of deeds. You don't bring the talent of taqwa, the talent of sunnah, the talent of ikhlas, the talent of sidq, the talent of tahajjud. These are things Sayyidina Rasulullah taught sahab Ikram. These were their talents. When they got these talents, they were able to establish the greatest society in the world. They were talented when it came to akhirah. Talented. They could pray tahajjud for three hours. They could have sabr. They could face difficult times without doubting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was no question of skepticism. Today's university student takes a single philosophy class. He's ready to give up Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> He's ready to have doubts about Allah. He has questions about Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam's life after one philosophy class with one professor. It's not talented in deen. That's not talented in akhirah. So along with getting the talents of dunya, I'm all for it. I myself am a university person. You have to get the talents of akhirah. You have to be skilled. Sifat. And salayat. For the akhirah. So there's a word in Arabic language. And the way Arabic language is structured is that there are roots. And then from that root, basic root, multiple words are derived. So there's a root of balam. And there are two words that come from this. Many words, but two words I want to talk about today. What Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Quran. So one word is abil. And there's another word called makbul. Two words in Arabic. Abil. Kabul means to be talented, skilled. Have attributes. So that a good speaker, a good student, good professor, good worker, good cook, good sportsman. So many talents in the world. That's called qabiliyya. The amount of skill, proficiency that a person has. But then there's another thing called qubuliyya. Qubuliyya means being accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Becoming maqbool in the law. Mahboobullah. To become beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To become pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now these are two separate things. Being qabil is one thing. Being makbul is something else. Being skilled, proficient, talented, dynamic, eloquent is one thing. But being makbul to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being beloved and pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something else. These are two separate things. Now our deen teaches us what? To be both. This is the real sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah that he taught Sahabi Ikram to be Kabul and Makbul. This is what we call Nurun al Nur. That they were, they literally light upon light. Uh, they had blessings upon blessings. Now I want to show you a few things from Quran and Hadith of Nabiya Kareem about these two concepts. First thing, Allah subhanahu wa told us in Quran through some stories. That being Qabil does not in any way mean that you will automatically become Makbul. Being talented and skilled does not in any way automatically result that you will be accepted and beloved and be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a separate effort. And then Allah ta'ala gave us some very stark examples in Quran of people who were very Qabil but were not Makbul at all. First example in Quran is Iblis. 
शैतान शैतान इज एक्सट्रीमली काबिल एक्सट्रीमली स्किल्ड एंड टैलेंटेड इनफैक्ट ही वॉज एक्सट्रीमली टैलेंटेड एट इबादत ही वॉज ऑफ द जिन बट ही डिड सो मच इबादत अल्लाह सुबहतला दैट अल्लाह सुबहतालेट हिम कीप द कंपनी ऑफ द मलाइक कीप द कंपनी ऑफ द एंजल्स so much so and all of you know the story when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created sayyidina adam alayhi salam and then allah ta'ala gathered all the angels to witness that creation allah ta'ala called one jinn as well his name was iblis now look imagine this is selection right if you get selected to go to some annual conference you get selected to go to some special event you will feel that this is some talent that i had some special honor that has been done upon me So Iblis was selected from all of the jinn the only one to be present for this incredible gathering when Allah Taala presented Adam alayhi salam to the angels then listen carefully Iblis is not atheist Shaitan is not atheist he 100% knows Allah Taala he sees Allah Taala he hears Allah Taala when Allah Taala says the command make sajda Iblis heard it so there's no way he can deny the existence of Allah Taala in fact he has yaqeen So he's extremely talented in his iman. He has iman at the level of yakin and mushahida. He knows with absolute certainty Allah Taala exists. He sees Allah Taala, hears Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Allah Akbar. So kabul. But all of you know, not makbul, <laughs> not makbul at all, not accepted by Allah Taala, not beloved to Allah Taala, not pleasing to Allah Taala. In fact, instead of Makbul, he's Mahroom, he's Mardud. He was rejected, repudiated by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So, out of the many, many lessons we get from this story, one lesson we get is that no matter how qabil we may be, no matter how skilled and talented we may be in the dunya, it does not mean we're going to be accepted by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Story of Iblis, so qabil, but not Makbul. Second story in Quran, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala told us the story of Fir'aun. Now Fir'aun, all of you know, is an evil dictator, right? However, he was very qabil. He didn't use his talents for good, but he was an extremely talented and skilled administrator and governor. He had almost like a perfect rule over his people. Why? I'm sure most of you would know that somebody came and told him that your downfall, you will lose your rulership due to one boy from the Bani Israel, who, when he grows up, he is going to be the cause of your downfall. So, what did he decide to do? He said, "Okay, I issue an order that from now on, every single baby boy that is born to any mother of Bani Israel will be slaughtered, will be killed at birth." Infanticide. This is called male infanticide. Now, this is a crazy law. Imagine passing a law like this. But he had such a strong control on his government that not only did he issue that order and pass that law, he actually had his soldiers carry it out, and the Bani Israel could not even protest. Can you imagine what strong government this is? As today, imagine somebody tries it. There will be riots. People will protest. There will be civil war. There will be civil unrest. There is no way people would let that happen. But he had such a qabil, such an incredibly robust, dynamic government that he actually made it happen. And yes, 
every baby boy that was born was killed. And Allah because we don't know the details, but the feeling one gets is maybe hundreds, maybe thousands were killed. Before Allah Ta'ala inspired Musa Alayhi's mother to send her baby, and that's the rest of the story, right? In the raft and the boat, and then he grows up, becomes Sayyidina Musa Islam, and indeed then he brings about the downfall of Fir'aun. So Fir'aun was extremely talented. And unfortunately, in fact, in the Muslim world we have this problem, that there are some of our rulers who are talented, they are skilled, but they use their skills and talents for corruption, they don't use their skills and talents for good. So Fir'aun was skilled and talented, but he used his talents for evil. So he was very qabil. Same story, he wasn't makbul. It was not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was drowned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's miraculous closing of the Red Sea over him. And he drowned in a state in which he was displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So notwithstanding all of his ability, he was mahroom, he was mardud, he was rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go further in history. Third story. So there was a person in the Arabs, he was literally, literally factually known as Abul Hikam. Abul Hikam means the Arabs have this practice that if somebody really knows something, they call you the father of that. For example, if there was a doctor who I felt really, really knew medicine, I would call him Abu Tib. You're like the father of medicine. It means you have so much proficiency, so much skill, so much talent. So this person was known as Abul Hikam. Not even Abul Hikmah, Abul Hikam. The father of wisdoms, right? The father of the category of wisdom. He was viewed as so wise. And all of you would know that in Jahiliya and pre-Islamic Arabia, this was a very uncivilized society, right? With a lot of blood feuds, vengeance, clan fighting. And in that society, he was known as a person of wisdom. And the different tribes and clans would turn to him for his, and follow his advice and his directions, and he would sometimes settle their disputes. What happened? Then Nabi Kareem Wasallam came in their midst, and Allah Ta'ala sent the last and final Prophet in the presence of these people. So Abu Hikam, now his wisdom was such that he knew that this person was a Prophet. He used to call the Prophet As-Sadiq, the true one, Al-Amin, the trustworthy one. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاهُمْ That they recognized you, means they really recognized you were a prophet, just like they can recognize their own children to be their sons. So he knew Sayyidina Rasulullah was a prophet. He saw the beauty of the Prophet However, he chose to disbelieve. He chose to disbelieve. And now the whole world remembers him as Abu Jahl. In fact, even non-Muslim historians in Oxford and everywhere in the world, they write his name as Abu Jahl. It's quite funny. <laughs> Even they call him Abu Jahl. So he was so kabil, had so much wisdom, but he made the most foolish, the most unwise choice in his life, not to accept Iman and say, Rasulullah So notwithstanding all of his kabiliyah, his intelligence, his wisdom, if he didn't submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he ended up a ghayr makbul, not accepted, not pleasing to Allah Ta'ala, also mardu. And some ulama, they speculate that who was the greatest unbeliever. Some say it was Nimrud, some say it was Abu Jahl, some say it was Abu Lahab. So Allahu Alam, right? But he's definitely on that list. <laughs> he's on the top ten contenders 
for being the most evil human being in the history of humanity. Allahu Akbar. Even though he was known as the most wise person in the Arab, in the pre-Islamic Arabians. Again an example, that being Qabul is one thing, being Maqbul is something else altogether. Then now if you look at the Sunnah and the Sirah, the life and teachings of Sayyidina Rasulullah you will find another point. First point was that you can be Qabil and not be Maqbul. Second point, you can be Maqbul without being Qabil. You can become beloved to Allah Ta'ala, pleasing to Allah Ta'ala without being talented in this world. Without being skilled and proficient and educated and having attained and achieved an accomplishment, you can be 100% beloved to Allah Ta'ala without that. There are examples like that? So many examples like that. Let's take first the very city of Makkah Mukarramah itself. So Allah Ta'ala calls this in Quran, Vadin غَيْرِ ذِي That it is a valley with no vegetation. If Allah Ta'ala wanted to put his home in some valley, so mashallah, your Norway has so many Kabul beautiful valleys, Switzerland has so many beautiful valleys, in north of Pakistan we have beautiful valleys, very Kabul, skilled, talented, scenic valleys. Allah Ta'ala said, no. <laughs> I'm going to select a place for my home, which is a valley with no vegetation at all, barren place. Why? That place is going to be the most makbul place on earth. It is the most blessed place on earth. Makkah Mukarma. It's a haram. It's a place where Dajjal will not be able to enter. It's a sacred place. It has hurma. It has sacredness in our deen. But Allah Ta'ala wanted to show that being Kabul is one thing, being makbul is something else. You can be makbul in Allah Ta'ala's eyes without having any sifat, any attributes, any talents whatsoever. So Allah Ta'ala picked a valley that had no talents. Talents have a valley that has beautiful scenery. Okay, look at Kaaba itself, Baitullah. Akal would say, okay, the house of Allah, that must be made with marble and rubies and diamonds, and the architectural design of that must be something amazing. That's called Qabiliya. When you talk about buildings, the Qabiliya of a building lies in the brilliance of its architectural design and the materials used in its construction. Allah <laughs> said, no. Simple design. Any one of us can make that design. You're an architect. Just a simple cube. Just a block. That's it. Slightly rectangular. It's not perfectly a square. Slightly rectangular. It's pure simplicity. <laughs> and materials, simply whatever was the stone of Arabia at that time. Simple stone. Ek patthar kagar. Allah Akbar. Why? Allah Ta'ala was wanting to show us that Mukbuliyah is something else and Kabuliyah is something else. When Allah Ta'ala chooses to accept something, to love something, it doesn't have to have any skills, any talents, any features in it. Featureless structure. That's much later that people put the kiswa, the shroud, and it has, otherwise it's just a plain, simple stone structure. Allahu Akbar. The hadith in Bukhari, Sayyidina Rasulullah told his companions, when they were looking at Mount Uhud, هَذَا Jabalun, That this mountain... That we love this mountain and this mountain loves us. If any of you have been blessed and fortunate enough to go to Medina Manawara, may Allah Ta'ala take all of us there to these sacred places for Umrah and Hajj over and over again. If any of you have gone, if you have seen, Alhamdulillah, we've been, we've seen Mount Uhud. It's nothing special. 
It's not Kabul as far as mountains go. In fact, it's a hill. I wouldn't even call it a mountain. Very small compared to the Swiss Alps or the Karakuram mountain range. Very simple hill. Again, with hardly any tree on it. Almost barren. One few blade of grass. But, makbul in the law. <laughs> so beloved that Allah Ta'ala selected this mountain to become mahbub Rasul Wasallam. The Prophet is saying that nuhimbuhu, we love this mountain. Allah <laughs> Outwardly, nothing special about the mountain. Allah Ta'ala is showing us that to become the beloved of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is something else. Doesn't have to do with your talents in the dunya. It's a different thing altogether. Another example. In Masjid Nabwe, when Nabi Kareem Sassam migrated to Medina Manawara, and then they started praying in Masjid Nabwe, and they were praying Jumma Sama. Then Alhamdulillah, as time went on, more and more people were accepting Islam. More and more people were coming for Jumma Sama. So there was one Sahabi, one companion of the Prophet He came to the Prophet and said, Ya Sassam, I have an idea. Said what? Said now there's so many people who are coming from Juma, we can't all see you. We can't all see you. So I want you to give me permission. I want to make something. What? Member. I want to make a series of steps. And I want that next Friday when you come, you should climb up those steps and give Juma khutbah from member. So you're a bit elevated and everybody can see you. Allah Akbar. Now this is the ikhlas of the love of the Sahaba Ikram for Sayyidina Rasulullah This wasn't wahi from Allah Ta'ala. This wasn't instruction from the Prophet This was a Sahaba's own idea, his own sincere love for the Prophet Sayyidina Rasulullah told him, okay, if you wish you can do that. So sure enough, next Friday, what happened? Nabi Yaqarim came out for Jummah and there was those steps that we call member. And the Prophet then, he walked up those steps and he gave Juma khutbah from the member. Now all Sahaba were happy that we get to see Sayyidina Rasulullah It was a new experience for them. Right? They're all happy. Enjoy. But all of a sudden, they hear the sound of crying. Wailing. And the way it's explained is crying like the crying of a baby infant. And then the Sahaba narrated, what was crying? So before Sayyidina Rasulullah had this member, he used to give Jumu'ah khutbah leaning on a stump of a tree. Stump means cut off part of a date palm tree. And now Sayyidina Rasulullah has climbed up the steps and giving Jumu'ah khutbah, and this stump of a tree is crying. <laughs> yes? It's an authentic hadith. The stump of a tree is crying and wailing. Such that the noise is reaching, noise of its crying is reaching all sahaba. Allah Akbar. So Sayyidina Rasulullah he is rahmatan lil alameen. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ So even though Jumu'ah khutbah is fard, and this is just a tree, Sayyidina Rasulullah he interrupts his Jumu'ah khutbah. He walks down the steps of the member. He goes to the stump of the date palm tree and he soothes it. We say in Urdu, tabki dete. He calms it, he caresses it. Until it stops crying. Allah Akbar. And then he goes back up the member and then completes his khutbah. <laughs> now look at this. As far as trees go, no kabiliyah. To be a talented tree, you should have lots of leaves and lots of branches and lots of flowers and lots of fruit. This has nothing. No single branch, no single leaf, no single flower, no single fruit. Zero kabiliyah. Untalented. 
پر مقبول محبوب رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم اللہ مقبول Give you an example, another example. Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. As far as we're concerned from a religious perspective, very common. But remember as far as dunya goes. Not talented as far as dunya is concerned. He's not talented in the dunya sense. He was a slave. And as far as the Arabs go, he was a non-Arab. Although in our deen we don't accept this. There's no distinction between Arabs and non-Arabs. But from the dunya perspective at that time, the way the dunya looked at him, he was not talented. Because he was not Arab, because he was a slave. And the kuffar used to especially torture him. All of you know the stories of the torture of Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And they used to be upset that why is this Habashi being so beloved to Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa So as far as the eyes of the dunya were concerned, he wasn't Kabil. But as you know, as far as we are concerned, he was Makbul. Makbul in the Allah. Beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was that Sahabi. There were one or two others. But mostly, Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu was selected to make adhan. Now this adhan was not done on the basis of skill. There was no contest in Sahaba who has the best voice, who says the best adhan. No, no, no. It's not based on qabiliyah. It's not based on talent. It wasn't a talent contest. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. He was makbool. Selected by Allah SWT to become Mu'adhin al-Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Mu'adhin al-Madina Mu'adhin al-Masjid al-Nabwi Mu'adhin al-Kaaba So beloved So beloved to Allah Ta'ala That Allah Ta'ala wanted That the very first sound My beloved Prophet sallallahu Should hear every day And all of his Sahaba should hear every day Is the Allah of the Allahu Akbar Of the Adhan of Bala Allahu Akbar So beloved to Allah SWT So not Qabil, not talented in the dunya sense. Not skilled, not educated, not dynamic, not even having necessarily beautiful voice. But he was maqbool in the law. Beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. So all these examples show that being accepted to Allah Ta'ala does not in any way, has no relationship whatsoever to our talents in the dunya. So we are fooling ourselves if we think that all we have to do is become talented in dunya, accomplished and educated and attained and achieved in dunya, and somehow that will be enough for us on the Day of Judgment. No. This is a separate effort that we must do this also to try to get the talents of deen, the talents of sunnah, the talents of akhirah, so that we become beloved and accepted to Allah SWT. Now like I told you in the beginning, Sayyidina Rasulullah some teaching was what? Be both. Be Qabil and Makbul. This is the deen of Islam. Be both. What does it mean? Be Qabil means that whatever Allah given attributes you have, you should use that potential. Allah Ta'ala bless everyone with some skills, some abilities, some talents, some attributes. You should use it, develop it. But you must use it in khair. You must use it in halal. 
You must use it in obedience to Allah Ta'ala, in worship of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, within the boundaries that Allah Ta'ala has set. Then it will be called deen. Yes, then if you use your worldly talents in this way, it will be called deen. It will become deen. What if it be called deen anymore? It will become deen. But sometimes, some of us, we make that mistake. We get talents and we get skills and then we get lax in our deen. We start disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or maybe we cut corners and we disobey Allah ta'ala to get more. Maybe we slightly falsify our application to get that promotion. Maybe we slightly exaggerate something to get that admission. We bend rules. Why? Because we're chasing after more qabiliyah. Maybe we take unlawful loans so we get more money in the world because we want more qabiliyah. No. That's wrong. You cannot get any additional talent or skill in this world through unlawful means. No. And you cannot use any of the talents and skills that Allah has given us in this world for unlawful purposes. Another mistake some of us make. Another place mistake some of us make is that we allow ourselves to get arrogant. Ujub and kibr. There are three words. Ujub, kibr, takabr. Understand what they mean. Level one is ujub. Ujub means in English we call it vanity, conceit, love for the self. Simply speaking, to think yourself as something. To think of yourself as something. This is not allowed in deen. Deen says, no, I'm nothing. Alhamdulillah. All praises for Allah Ta'ala alone. Alhamdulillah. Praise itself befits Allah Ta'ala alone. If there's anything good in me, it's not because of me, it's because Allah Ta'ala gave it to me. I can only do shukr and hum to Allah. I can't praise myself. And that same Allah Ta'ala who gave me the skill, that same Allah Ta'ala can take it back if I don't do shukr for it. So ujib means no, to think I am something. I am something. I'm educated. I worked hard. Allah Ta'ala didn't give me this risk. I worked hard for my living. When I came to Norway, I came poor and I worked hard. No, no, no. That may be true. But that's not the way we talk. We say, when I came to Norway, I had nothing, and my Allah Ta'ala blessed me with everything that I have. Yes, Allah Ta'ala blessed you by giving you tawfiq to work hard for it, no doubt. But attribute all of it to Allah Ta'ala. When we start attributing it to ourselves, that's called ujub. I am this, I am this, I did that, I achieved that, I attained that, that's called ujub. Second level is kibr. Kibr means that I think myself to be something and kibr, I think myself to be better than others. Allahu Akbar. So you can call it maybe now pride or arrogance in English. That I'm something and I'm better than others. So for example, oh, I'm the most beautiful one. I'm more beautiful than others, more handsome than others, more educated than others. I'm the more intelligent one in my family. I'm the smarter one. I'm smarter than my other brothers. I have more wisdom in the family, etc., etc. I'm a better speaker, I'm a better student, whatever it is, better than others. To consciously view yourself as better than others, that's kibr. Then there's another level, takabbur. This is a general rule in Arabic language, the more the letters, the more intense the meaning. Ziyadat haruf, shiddat mana. So takabbur is more than kibr. What is that? Takabbur means, I think of myself as something, ujub. And better than others, kibr. Plus, I treat others as if they're less than me. It's an active thing. So I can cut them in line. 
I think I'm, I can sideline them, undermine them, put them down, treat them lowly. To actually dynamically treat others as if they're lower than you because you think you're better than them, because you think you're something. That's called the Qumran. And these three things afflict a lot of us who have the talents of dunya. So when you have talent of the dunya according to deen, you have to have it with humility. And you have to have it with hamd, with praise for Allah SWT. That whatever ability, attributes, talents Allah gave me in dunya, I still view myself as nothing. The day I view myself as something, I'll be in danger. I view Allah Ta'ala as everything. I'm intrinsically nothing. Okay? If I'm something, it's because He gave it to me. But it's actually His dain, His fadl, His karam, His tawfiq, His gracious generosity, His blessing me with this ability. It's not my own. That's the meaning of, that's one of the many meanings of this verse. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. What might and power do I have? I think I have intellectual power, I think I have physical power. No, no, I have nothing. And if there's anything, it's only billah. It's only through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing. So, the way deen teaches us to be both is in this way. So, realize your potential. It's also important. Teaching of deen, you cannot underutilize your potential. What does it mean? You can't be lazy. If you're capable of getting an A and you're lazy, just because you're lazy you get a B, deen is against that. You failed in B. Deen says you have to use the talents that Allah gave you in the dunya, you have to max out your potential within the halal. If you underperform, that's against the teachings of deen. And you know people will tell you that also. Society is underperformed, that's a tragedy. Individuals underperform. That's a tragedy. They say they don't realize their potential. They have untapped potential. That's why we talk in development, right? In education sector. We view it as a tragedy that people don't realize their potential. So Dean wants to know you should use why? Because it's shukr. For any ni'mah Allah Ta'ala gave, any bounty blessing Allah Ta'ala gave you, the way to be grateful and thankful to that is to realize it. Okay. Let me give you an example of education, right? Since most of you here, I think, are university students or graduates or whatever. So in education, like in Pakistan, in our field of education, sometimes we think about something and it makes us very sad. And this is the way people in education talk. What? They say that, oh, you know, a lot of the people inside the country in the rural areas, they don't have access to good quality education. And it's such a tragedy. Why? Because maybe there are actually some brilliant minds out there. Maybe there's a brilliant girl or boy sitting in some village in Pakistan that if they had had access to education, they could have been the Einstein of the time or the poet of the time or whatever, right? The greatest inventor of the time, Nobel Prize winner. So people in education, when they think like that, they get sad. They feel such a tragedy that people's potential isn't being realized, right? And it's correct. And Dean also agrees with that. But now I want you to think that even more a tragedy than that is that they're mu'mineen, who if they had realized their potential, they could have been the muttaqeen of the time, they could have been the salihin of the time, they could have been the mufassireen of the time, they could have been the muhaddithin of the time. Isn't that a greater tragedy? That even right now in this room, there will be people right now in this room, that if they had given their heart and soul to Qur'an, maybe they could have been one of the greatest Qur'anic scholars alive today. 
If they had given their heart and soul to the sunnah and seerah, they could have been a greatest follower of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu today. If they had tried and made mujahida in their nafs, they could have been amongst the muttaqeen. They could have been amongst the salihin. Could have been amongst the siddiqeen. They didn't realize the potential of their iman. That's a greater tragedy. That's also a talent Allah Ta'ala has given us. In fact, I will take it one step further. So first I'm going to say something which some of you might not like. <laughs> but immediately afterwards I will follow it up with something all of you will like. Alright? So a little bit like they say sweet and sour. The sour first and then the sweet. But you will realize what I'm saying. It may be sour but it's true. Alhamdulillah, we won't say anything that's untrue. Everyone in this room, not every one of us can become the most talented person at what we do. Not everyone will do that. Not everyone here will be a Nobel Prize winner. Not every one of you will excel in your field. Not, not everybody has that talent. Right? Not everyone here will reach that level of excellence. Our dua is there for all of you. That may Allah Ta'ala give you every jaiz, happiness, success in this world. But all of you, if you're in education, you understand that's a fact, right? Not everybody is going to go to Harvard. Not everybody is going to win the Nobel Prize. Right? It just doesn't happen. Not everybody has the highest talent in the dunya. Put it that way. Okay? Alright. However, and listen to this very carefully. And this may be the most important thing I want to tell you tonight. To listen to your heart, with your hearts. Every single person in this room, every single person in the ummah has the potential to reach the highest level of Jannah called Jannatul Firdaus. Every single believer has the potential to reach the highest taqwa called Bilaya. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, In awliya'uhu illal muttaqoon. That who are these awliya'ullah? They're just the people of taqwa. Inna akramakum indallahi atkaakum. The most honored of you in Allah Ta'ala's regard are the ones who have the most taqwa. So to put it now simply, every single person who is a mu'min has the potential to be the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Has the potential to be makbul. Not every one of us have infinite potential for qabiliyah. Everyone has potential for qabuliyah. Only one shirt you must have iman. As long as you have even a drop of iman in your heart, you have the potential to become the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, can you imagine what a tragedy it is that we have this potential, we have this untapped potential. The way we explain in Arabic is every person is a wali bil quwa, bil ihtimal. Everybody has the potential to be a wali. When are we going to start working on that? In this world, everybody will tell you, all your professors and your parents and your colleagues and friends, and they will be right. That work hard, achieve your best, do the best you can do, right? No problem with that. In halal, do it. When are we going to start thinking like that about our deen? When are we going to do the best we can do about deen? That is not even on our horizon. We stop thinking like that. We just want to pass by. Scraping by. Hmm? This is not right. This is not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. This is not why we were created. We were created primarily to attain and achieve excellence in Akhirah. And meanwhile, try to attain and establish excellence in the world. 
Well, we've forgotten that. Especially many of the university educated Muslims. They think that their be all and end all of life is to attain and achieve the talents and excellences of the dunya. And then they're somehow content with not having excellence in deen and akhirah. How can we be content with that? What's happened to us? That's a delusion. That's a deception. We're only deceiving ourselves. Much more, infinitely more than we need any talent and excellence in this world, we need the talents of deen and excellence in akhirah. That's what Sayyidina Sussam taught us. This is what our deen teaches us. Max out your potential in Qabiliya in this world based on whatever blessings Allah Ta'ala gave you. But that I told you is limited. Everybody's been given limited, selected talents of the dunya. But look at Allah Ta'ala's karam. This is his real puzzle. Wallahu dhu fadlin azim. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, he has a tremendous, immense puzzle. That wasn't about dunya, that was about deen. Every one of us, the second you accept iman, we have been given unlimited potential in deen. That's called akhirah. That's called jannah. That's called wilayah. That's called taqwa. That's called siddiqeen, salihin. Every believer can be that. We don't realize what incredible thing this iman is. This is a delusion that, no, I'm living in 2014, how can I do it? Or I'm busy, how can I do it? Or I'm a professor, how can I do it? I'm a student, how can you do it? Allah Akbar. You have Iman, that's how you can do it. You have Quran, you have the Sunnah of Nabi alayhi salam. What do you mean, how can you do it? You have Hidayah. <laughs> there's power in deen, there's potential in deen. There's incredibly untapped potential in deen. So this is our main message that we wanted to share with you today. Be kamil in dunya. Be talented in dunya. Within halal and for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa and when you do that, by the way, when you get both, let me tell you another thing that happens. When you get both Qabiliyah and Qubuliyah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts barakah in your dunya. And then Allah ta'ala accepts you for khidmah. That's the real spirit of the believer. That whatever talents I have in this world, yes, I will use it to earn risk halal. But beyond that, I will use it for khidmah. I'll be a person, a person of service. A public service, ummah service, family service, neighborly service. And those people who don't work on their deen, you will see they just use their dunya for their own self. It's just self-gratification, self-indulgence. They benefit, but the ummah doesn't benefit from their talents. They benefit. They get jobs and they make money and they get degrees and they, they benefit. But the ummah doesn't benefit. Why? Because they didn't go for the kubuliyah. <laughs> they didn't go for the talents of deen and akhirah. So therefore Allah Ta'ala didn't put this barakah in their dunya. That they could use their talents to benefit others. So we want qabiliyah in the dunya. We want to be talented in the dunya. But we want those talents in the dunya to have barakah, blessing from Allah Ta'ala. We want to be accepted for khidmah. And we want to be, get the skills of deen. And be excellent in deen. And get talents of akhirah. So we can also be makbool. Get kubuliyah, become beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, become accepted to Allah ta'ala. We want to meet Allah ta'ala on the day of judgment in such a way that we are smiling upon Him and He's smiling upon us. And we should make dua for that. We should make dua that, Ya Allah, grant me every single skill and talent in this world that is according to your pleasure and accept me to use it in your obedience and service. And grant me every single excellence and skill and attribute of deen 
and raise me on the day of judgment such you are pleased with me and you grant me the akhir. This is called balance. Now I'll tell you another thing. The ummah, alhamdulillah, has a lot of good ulama, shayukh. What does the ummah need? What's missing? What's missing is muttaki doctor, muttaki engineer, muttaki parliamentarian, muttaki governor. That's what we need. So my message isn't to you to leave the university and join the madrasa. No. There are plenty of us, alhamdulillah. Huh? Yes. <laughs> alhamdulillah. There's a lot of barak. That's a whole other lecture for you. You will never use unfathomable, unbelievable barakah going on over there. <laughs> alhamdulillah. But what is missing? What's the missing ingredient in the ummah? Is makbul professionals. Makbul university graduates. I'll give you my own example of Pakistan. I taught for six years in one of Pakistan's universities. And I give lectures in lots of universities in the whole country. And alhamdulillah, outwardly speaking, the universities are getting better and better every year, even in the last, let's say, about 10 years that I've been working in that field. And they're producing tens and thousands, literally over 100,000 graduates every year. Now just say the 10 years I've been there, 100,000 graduates every year, 10 years, 1 million university graduates have been injected into the society. I can tell you it hasn't made any dent. <laughs> they haven't been able to make one dent in the society. It's not gotten better at all. Why? <laughs> They're talented, educated, university graduates. Why is it helping the society? Because they don't have the barakah. They don't have the kubuliyah. They don't have the deen. They're not people of khidmah. And that was one of the reasons I retired from university teaching there. Because I got excited, I was born and raised in America, I got excited, okay, I'll be teaching, education is a way to do service to the country. But I saw that 90% of the students just want to make money. They're just at the university because they want to get a job, they want a degree, they want a resume, they want the CV, they want the money. And I saw one after the other, not fixing the society. The doctors aren't fixing the healthcare, the lawyers aren't fixing the courts. They were becoming doctors, but they weren't fixing the healthcare system. They were becoming lawyers, but they weren't fixing the bribery and corruption that takes place with the judges. They weren't fixing the system. They were going into government. They weren't fixing the system. I was amazed. I was stunned. <laughs> so they're getting the talents, but they're not using them. So the ummah needs, wherever it is, it can be Norway, it can be Pakistan, wherever you're from, Somalia, Turkey, some of you may be foreign students, I don't know. Wherever you are, wherever you live, where Allah Ta'ala takes you, be the best you can be in your profession, and be the best you can be in your deen. If you don't complete the sentence, you will be incomplete. And on the day of judgment, when you show up incomplete, there's no way to go back. There's no way to make up. There's no way to complete the deficiencies. So this was our message for you today. And we ask Allah Subhanahu to accept this in our heart. And you know, and partly I'll be fair to you, you're not entirely to blame. Reason is, is that we're living in an age, even in most of the Muslim world, and here obviously, when you have a secular philosophy of education, and that means many things, right? Related to today's topic, it means one thing. That secularism teaches that education should be only about academics. Just talim. It should not be about tarbiyah. It should not be about inculcating spirituality and deen in people. So this is the difference. In Islamic civilization, we join talim and tarbiyah together. Both were given together from one institute. 
That way that whoever had talim also had tarbiyah. That was a proper human being. That was a balanced human being. That was a productive human being. That was a spiritual human being. Kabul and makbul. But when you function in a system where talim is devoid of tarbiyah, right? Education is completely stripped of any spirituality, any worship, any revelation, any remembrance, any dhikr, any taqwa. It's completely sanitized. So you're in that system. Okay, fine. So simply speaking, then what you have to do is fine, you get your talim from here and you have to get your tarbiyah from somewhere else. Because it's not going to come to you in the institution. So you have to make an arrangement. Just like you made a proper formal arrangement for your talim. You got enrollment and admission, you got admissions and enrolled and registered and attend classes and study and write papers and take exams and pass assessments and get a degree. Just like that, you should set up a program. Enroll in a system for your tarbiyah. For what Allah Ta'ala calls in Qur'an, your tazkiyah. For your spiritual training. For your moral training. To learn deen. You should reach out to ulama and mashayikh. And tell them make a program for us. Make a curriculum for us. Take us through that step by step. We need this also. We don't want that for the sake of the university. We lose our deen. We sacrifice our deen. We don't want it for the sake of the knowledges of the world. We lose out on the knowledges of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make an arrangement for us for that also. You need to set that up then. You have to do it privately. That's the way the world works. When something is not available to you, then you have to dynamically arrange and set up those resources. Now, alhamdulillah, we live in an age where there is a technology which has a lot of evil in it, but has a bit of good in it. And that's called the internet. The evil of the internet, I don't think I need to say it. In fact, it's unspeakable. Yes. The evil of the internet is something that's actually unspeakable between and amongst fellow believers. All of you understand what that is. One of the good things about the internet is, okay, if you're living in a country, so I appreciate that. It's not like, I told you, I was born and raised in New York, I can understand. I'm living in a non-Muslim country, there are not so many ulama here, what am I supposed to do, right? I'll tell you what you do. You go online. And this is a bit dangerous also, right? Because there's every Tom, Dick and Harry is online, huh? I don't know if you understand that expression. Huh? It's a little American slang there. Huh? So, uh, yeah. Which you should find. The Alhamdulillah, there are, are also authentic ulama mashaykh online. You should learn. If you can't do it live, nothing can replace. Best as you do it live. Best as you do it live. But a lot of you, especially the youth, you're always in front of the screen. All the time. <laughs> you're like 24 hours with your screens. You're screen addicts. Alhamdulillah, I grew up, I just missed that and I can't do enough sugar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When I, when I started the University of Chicago, there was no internet. There was like, you know, maybe like in the Department of Defense or something, but I mean, not really for us. And in my third year, they introduced, they gave us an email account. I still remember this. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Right? We got a paper mail and it was given, this is your email address. So mine was AHM6 at University of Chicago at EDU. So just for fun, you know, we would like email our friends one or two lines just for the fun of it, just to try it out. And that was about it. And yes, all my professors and probably all of your professors did their PhDs without the internet, which you think is so critical. You know, all the Nobel Prize winning research up to probably 1995 was conducted without any use of internet. All right. So don't think the internet is as essential as you people think it is. All right. All these great inventions and this architecture and planes and all of this was done without any internet at all. All right. Find, right? 
someone. So this is something that we realize when we travel in different countries, that what can we do for you? Because this is just a one-off lecture, right? So alhamdulillah, we have set up entirely free websites where you can come and listen. So for example, today we gave you one talk, so lots of different recordings of the talks are there on our website. Listen. You like somebody else, listen to somebody else. Whoever you want. But be a person of learning. Make an arrangement for your tarbiyah. Make an arrangement for your development of the sifat, the attributes and talents of deen. Make an arrangement. Learn taqwa. Learn sunnah. Deen is not just tajweed, the Arabic. Right? You're not going to be examined on your knowledge of Arabic on the Day of Judgment. You're going to be examined on your knowledge of taqwa. So if you say I have limited time, I would love it that you learn Arabic fluently. Right? But if you're going to tell me I'm a full-time student, I have limited time, I say, okay, learn taqwa. Learn taqwa, learn sunnah, learn how to fix your salah, learn how to remember Allah Ta'ala in your salah, learn how to make du'a passionately, learn the things that count first. Right? There are enough ulama who know the intricate details of ilm. Don't get involved in all these disputes. It's not your arena. I'm not a physicist. I don't get involved in postdoctoral level discussions of physics. For example, is light made up of particles called photons or is it made up of waves? That's not my arena. Why should I get into that dispute? Right? Learn, develop your basic iman, your a'mal. Until you can tell me you can pray with a loving heart, you don't belong in those fancy academic classes on Islam. You're not going to benefit from those intricate details. Fix your taqwa, your sunnah, your tawbah. So when we saw this was a need, we made a website specifically for this. It's called islamicspirituality.org. The topics are just practical. How to control your gaze. How to control your desires. How to control angle, anger, love for Allah, fear of Allah. Just the practical topics. And alhamdulillah, we've also had the entire tafsir of entire Quran in English on that site. So basic thing is Quran and your sifat and your talents. You have to learn. You have to develop. If you can't, let it go. You can't be just on this side. You can't let yourself die in a state that you are talented in dunya and not talented in deen. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not what life is for. <laughs> All of your talents in dunya will be buried with you. You know that? <laughs> Every single talent and skill and degree and education and caliber will all be buried with you. When you're raised up, the only thing that will be raised up with you is whatever sifat, sifat of mu'mineen you had. Were you from mutawakkileen? Did you have tawakkul? Were you from muttakeen? Did you have taqwa? Were you from mukhlisin? Did you have ikhlas? Were you from sadiqeen? Did you have sid? So many words Allah Ta'ala has used in Quran. So many sifat of mu'mineen. That's what's going to be raised up with you. Everything else is going to be buried and stay there. So what we bring to Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment is our deen. Don't leave the dunya to do it. I'm giving you a difficult task. I'm telling you, keep attaining in the dunya, achieving in the dunya, accomplishing in the dunya, excelling in the dunya, while excelling in your deen. This is called Islam. And you have to do it. You have to do it. If you don't do it, there's nobody else who will do it. There's no other ummah coming. There's nobody else who's going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's going to yearn for Allah Ta'ala, who's going to love Allah Ta'ala, who's going to give their heart to Allah Ta'ala and still function in the dunya. La rahbaniyata fil Islam, you can't leave, you have to function in the dunya. Functional in the dunya, emotional about deen. Functional in the dunya, love for deen. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from us. May He make us people of Qabiliyah and Qubuliyah. May He send His special grace and favor on us. And already, look, He accepted us for Iman. You know what a great Qubuliyah that itself is. <laughs> Allah ta'ala accepted us for Iman. He gave us the gift of Iman. He selected us for Iman. Today if somebody gets selected in an interview for a job, he gets so happy. You get selected for admissions at a university, you get so happy. We were selected for Ummah Mustafa We've been selected for Deen of Islam, selected by Allah, for the Deen of Allah. How happy should you be? <laughs> you should wear it on your sleeve. You should be proud of it. People when they get admitted to university, they wear the university shirt. They put the university bumper sticker on their car. They're not embarrassed. They're happy. They want to show the world they were selected. They put the degree when they get it on their wall. So if you were selected for Ummah Mustafa wasallam, you don't want to show it? You don't want to display it? You want to be unrecognizable as Muslim in this world? Hmm? Sometimes when I travel, I don't know if a person is Muslim. I don't know if he's a Hindu, Indian, or is he Muslim, Pakistani. I don't know. So I don't know whether to say salam to him or not. If he says salam to me, I definitely say walaikum as-salam to every person who says salam. But I don't know whether to say salam to him because I don't know. I don't know if he's a Turk or he's a Greek. I can't tell. I don't know. He's chosen to make himself undistinguishable as a Muslim. What if Allah Ta'ala accepts that? And on the day of judgment makes you unrecognizable. If you wanted to be unrecognizable as a Muslim in this world, what if Allah Ta'ala accepts it? And the day of judgment you're unrecognizable as a Muslim. To your own Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We're honored to be selected for deen. It's the greatest gift Allah Ta'ala gave us. Yes, we're also honored, alhamdulillah, Allah selected us for university, He selected us for education, He raised us in good families, He's given us nourishment, He's given us safety, aman, itminan, izzat, alhamdulillah. All of that we also have to do shukr to Allah Ta'ala. But even more than Allah Ta'ala, you selected me for deen? You made me, there's 7 billion people on earth, and I'm of those 1.2 billion who are mu'mineen. I didn't do anything to earn it, I didn't do anything to deserve it, I didn't even ask it. <laughs> Allah got it free. <laughs> Look, we're already so much towards the journey of being makbul. <laughs> you can just make dua like that. Allah Ta'ala, since you selected me for iman, you select me for taqwa, you select me for haya, you granted me this iman without me deserving it. Allah Ta'ala, grant me taqwa also, grant me haya also, grant me the sifat of iman, grant me the feelings of iman, grant me the passion of iman. You have to reach out to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala you have to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not going to happen automatically. Deen isn't going to happen automatically. You have to go for it. Just like your dunya doesn't happen automatically. There's no free A. There's no automatic degree. There's no free job. You have to work for it. You have to make it happen. The same thing is for deen. You have to work for it. You have to make it happen. But in deen, there will be even more barakah. More barakah. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us for this effort. Then he make his people of Akhira, make his people of Deen, wa Akhira da'wana, and alhamdulillah, hiram bin Akhira. Speaking this way, I understand also. I said, speaking this way, I understand also.
Uh, we're going to take a very short break and you can write down some uh, questions for Shared Transfer. And um, I also want to announce that we're selling some CDs with lectures uh, behind their programs and their voice. So you can go there. And I'm going to send around some paper and you can write down questions. Uh, maybe not. Uh, Saman was asking about questions, so we're happy to take your questions that are on topic, right? And even in academia, right, uh, every lecture has a particular topic, and after that lecture, the students ask questions that are on topic. Uh, so you write your questions down, and I'll sort them out. And every now and then, I may take a question that's off topic. Uh, so you can write your questions and pass them up if you have any, right? Uh, and really we do, we want you to start thinking about this. How can you strive more in your deen? How can you be more talented in deen? You have to think about it, right? Because I don't know all of you personally, individually, right? And you have to make your own individual personal effort, your own individual personal plan, your program. It has to be on your wish list. It has to be on your things to do. It has to be on your horizon. Inshallah, once you do it, even just the niyyah, you know that, even just wanting Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala gives you so much. And that's something we can do even right now in an instant. Even in an instant, if in our heart we can make this intention that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, I want you, I want deen, I want that taqwa, I want those things. This is called talab. Talab to become talib sadiq, to really want it. If you really want it, Allah Ta'ala will grant you a way that you will be able to get it. No questions? <laughs> Nothing? They're not writing? Uh, they're writing, I think. They're writing the sign of sheet, They're writing the sign of sheet, or they're writing questions? Given to the women. Make sure. Make sure. If there are questions, we'll end with dua then, inshallah. in English, yeah.
And the question is, how can we find out our talents? It's not that easy. Can you give us some tips? I don't know if you mean talents in the dunya or talents in the deen. If it's talents in the dunya, then, uh, you know, probably... You, yeah, okay, if it's talents, you have every talent. Allah Ta'ala says, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wus'aha. That Allah Ta'ala does not task a person beyond their ability. Our iman gives everyone the wus'a, the ability to have every talent of deen. Everyone. Whether it's sabr, it's shukr, it's taqwa, it's khashiya, it's khawf, it's ikhlas, it's sid. Every single thing. Everyone. Yes, it may happen certainly that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala softens a person's heart for one particular attribute naturally. For example, you will find that there's some people who are naturally humble. It's just the way they are, right? And naturally soft, they don't get angry. Even if you try to get them angry, they just look at you and they keep smiling. Right? And there are some people who, mashallah, they're naturally angry. <laughs> and even if you try not to, you're very careful. Somehow you manage to light them off uh, inadvertently, unwittingly. So that is definitely there. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given different halan uh, in real time. You may have some talents of deen and you may have less of others. But the potential, the ability, every, this I'm trying to, t- what I was telling you, the thing I told you to remember the most, every mu'min has ability to be the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every person who has iman has the potential to get every single talent in thee. It's not true for dunya. No, who can say that I could be a talented computer scientist and have the potential to be a talented economist and have the potential to be a talented writer? It's not like that in dunya. But in deen, Allah Ta'ala has given just this iman gives a person the power to get every single talent in thee. And Allah Ta'ala wants us to get them all. Yes, this is at least what we're supposed to try. That's why when Allah Ta'ala gave us target, what did He say in Qur'an? لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That who is your model? What are you going to shoot for? Right? Like in university, I'm going to try for an A. So Sayyidina Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that you're going to try for Sayyidina Rasulullah. He's on the model. He is the uswa. He is the model. Hasana. Beautiful model. Perfect model. Excellent model. Virtuous manner. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ And it is for you. So it means every single talent of deen obviously was in Sayyidina Rasulullah He is the embodiment of all sifat of deen. And he is our role model. So we have that potential. Now what happened is that, let me give you, which is said tips, I'll give you some steps. First go for what's in your reach, right? You may not be able to climb the whole mountain in one step, so whatever is within your reach, try for that. Increase your ibadah a bit, read Quran a bit more, send more salawat, dirt shifan the Prophet make istighfar, seek the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala every day. Try to remember Allah Ta'ala more every day than you did the day before. Remembering Allah Ta'ala doesn't even require any particular formula that you say. Zikr is something you can do with the heart. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Allah bi-zikrillahi tatma'innul that be well informed that only and only in the zikr of Allah Taala do the spiritual hearts find itminan, do they find tranquility and peace. So try to remember Allah Taala during the day. For example, if you walk into class and you know you have class for two hours, so just make niyyah that Ya Allah, I'm about to go into class, 
I make intention that the whole time I'm in class, my heart will keep remembering you. And then you get busy with class. You're sitting with family, make me at the Allah make me at that. My heart is remembering you and I'm sitting with family. Keep making this niyat, niyat the dhikr, all the time. The Prophet said, لِكُلِّ إِمْرِئٍ مَا نَوَى Every person will get what they intended. Every person will get what they intended. So if you intend that you want to do zikr of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will make it happen for you. Right? Second step that you can start to get your talents is start leaving sin. One by one we have to leave all the sins. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, That you must leave all the sins that you do, ظاهر, the outward sins, وباطنة, and the inner sins. What does that mean? So outward sins can mean lying and stealing and this and that. Batin sin means sinful feelings. So unlawful sinful lust, sinful unlawful anger, hatred for somebody, sinful envy, jealousy for somebody, or like the sinful arrogance, pride, conceit that I mentioned. Another way you can translate this verse, Stop doing sin outwardly and stop liking sin inwardly. Stop wanting sin. Stop being attracted to sin. It's very difficult, right? I'll give you an example. Let's say I tell you I've never killed anyone in my life. Alhamdulillah. I've never killed anybody in my life. Alright. So that's a zahir. However, if I were to tell you, but I want to kill. I daydream about killing. I think about killing. I surf internet sites late at night and watch scenes of murder. But I've never done it. Would you say, okay, it's fine, brother, don't worry. As long as you don't do it. You'd say, no, no, can you please, like, <laughs> don't sit next to me. You're a psychopath. You want to do it? You attracted to the murder? You want to do murder? You surf scenes of murder? You're seriously, you're a psycho. <laughs> There's something seriously wrong with you. Right? That's what you would say, right? Okay. Just replace the sin of murder with the sin of lust. Now you understand. Stop doing sin outwardly and stop wanting sin inwardly. Allahu Akbar. Allah Ta'ala is holding us to a very high standard. That's called tazkiyah in Quran and Sunnah. The way to leave inward sin, the way to stop wanting sin, that's called tazkiyah. You need to do deep cleaning for that. Because the desire to sin, temptation to sin, attraction to sin is deeply embedded in us. Because of our nafs. So you have to do a lot of tazkiyah. Allah tells in the Quran that indeed successful only is that person who does tazkiyah of their nafs. That's the way you get the talents of deen will come out. Once you start scrubbing, when you start cleaning, when you start purifying that nafs. That's a whole effort called tazkiyah. That's a branch of learning in Islam. You need to get a guide who teach you tazkiyah. You have to be trained in taqwa. You have to follow more sunnah. You have to make more zikr. You have to concentrate in your salah. You have to plug yourself into a program, a regimen of ibadah. So you get your tazkiyah done. Once you start doing tazkiyah, then one by one the talents of deen will come out. Your unlocked, hidden, latent, dormant sabr will come out. Your shukr will come out. Your love for Allah Ta'ala will come out. You have to remove the veils, remove the darknesses of our sin. So that's called tazkiyah. Next question is, how can I know that Allah Ta'ala is accepting my efforts? You should always be scared that what if Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept? 
give you an example from Quran. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam was sent a wahi by Allah Ta'ala that go to Makkah Makarama and rebuild the Kaaba. He follows Allah Ta'ala's instructions. His helpers are his two sons who are also prophets. Sayyidina Ismail alayhi salam and Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam. After he makes the Kaaba, which is 100% sin-free, perfect thing to do, you made the Kaaba, Baytullah. What does he do? He's worried about one thing. Rambana takammal minna. He's worried. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala accept it. I did it. I did the job. But now I'm worried Allah Ta'ala will you accept it? I'm making dua. I'm begging you Allah Ta'ala accept it. <laughs> Allah Akbar. So much is he worried for his kubuliyah. So make dua for kubuliyah. And then the verse we recited to you in the beginning of the talk. Innama innama yatakambalallahu minal muttaqi. There Allah Ta'ala is saying, who does he accept from? Indeed, Allah Ta'ala grants kubuliyah, he graces his generous favor, and he accepts from whom? The muttaqeen, the people of taqwa. Taqwa means to leave sin, and to obey Allah Ta'ala, to follow the sunnah of Nabi Kareem Wasallam, and to remember Allah Ta'ala, to be consciously aware of Allah Ta'ala, to remember Allah Ta'ala all the time. So if we get more taqwa, it means Allah Ta'ala is accepting my deeds. If it leads to an increase in taqwa, it means it was accepted. And if I just rolled it off my tongue and nothing changed, I should be scared. Maybe it wasn't accepted. Maybe I just rolled some zikr off my tongue, rolled surah fatah off my tongue in salah, I'm just rolling through it. It was accepted in the sense that, okay, my fard was fulfilled, but I haven't been changed. See, Allah Ta'ala said, إِنَّ salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkar The prayer is supposed to stop a person from doing lewd and repudiated, rejected activities. So if a person says, I pray, but I still do these things. So it means that you should be scared. Maybe your prayers aren't being makabool. So the way to know our deeds, acts of worship, kindnesses to other charities are accepted, is if that when we do them, our compliance with sharia increases. We become more obedient, more worshipful, more remembering of Allah Ta'ala. That means my deeds must be being accepted. Last question for today. Uh, okay, so this is a question about Islam and science. This is a whole topic. Uh, basically, look, if you're studying science, always remember that the history of science is still the overwhelming vast majority of scientists in human history, including Einstein himself, were believers in God. So this is a myth that people will try to convince you that science necessitates disbelief. No, only since the 1990s has there been a trend in which scientists have become atheists. Until 1990, the majority of Nobel Prize winners in science were believers in God. That's a separate thing. They may not have been Muslims, right? But they were in what we call theists, right? They weren't atheists. They believed in a divine power, a divine order to the world. So first, erase this from your mind that science does not necessitate disbelief. Second, science does not require disbelief. Science does not disprove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, I will tell you honestly, and I've studied science. I'll give you an example. I took three courses in astrophysics at university. I took courses on human evolution and one on human genetics at university. A lot of the things they claim they're proving is not really proof. It's a thesis that they're very much clinging to and they believe in it. I'll give you a very good example. Human evolution. Right? Okay. 
Now, as far as Islam is concerned, we are happy believing anything and everything about evolution except for human evolution. You want to tell me that the chimpanzees of today evolved from the orangutans of yesterday? I said, no problem. You want to tell me that the whales of today evolved from some type of dinosaur 10 billion years ago? I have no problem with that. You want to say the world was created with a big bang? I say, maybe Allah's kun caused a big bang and for yakun, everything that astrophysics said happened. We can be fine with all of that. There's one thing we're not willing to believe. That Adam salam had a father and mother who were apes. In fact, we're not even willing to believe that he had a father and mother who were human. <laughs> we can't even believe that. Apes to both durkibat. We can't even believe that he had a human father and mother. Now let me tell you, I studied this at University of Chicago. Literally the name of the course was Human Evolution and another one I took was Human Genetics. Because they also claimed there's a genetic theory for evolution. First is the fossil theory for evolution. So I used to give this, and until today no scientist has been able to answer what I'm about to tell you. I said, okay look. You're saying that there were two apes, some type of primates, gorilla, chimpanzee, orangutan, some type of primates. And they gave birth to a human being. And you say this happened millions of years ago. So, okay. I just have one question. How come it never happened again? Why can't two apes today give birth to a human being? And in fact, according to evolution, the apes today are more evolved than the apes of thousands of years ago. So if there's a more evolved chimpanzees, orangutans today, surely one of those pairs should be able to give birth to a human being. Then I told the scientists, okay, you're saying it happened naturally back then, unassisted. I said, today all you scientists, you get together. And you breed apes. And you use all your DNA. And you inject anything you want in them. And you breed them and breed them and you assist the process. And let one human being be born from today's more evolved apes. They can't do it. <laughs> I said, you can't do it today with all your scientific assistance, with more evolved species of apes, and with all your genetic manipulation. You can't make any one single pair of ape give birth to one human baby using all of science. You want me to accept it happened a million years ago without any scientific assistance from a less evolved species of apes? I can't, that's not science. I can't accept that. Because science demands consistency. If it happened once, it should happen again. Science is about probability. The problem, if it happened then, it's a much greater probability that it should happen now because today's apes are more evolved. I can't accept it. So a lot of the things, when you talk to them like that, they, hey, when you talk, it's strange. You, this is a myth. You think scientists believe in common sense. They do in many things. But when it comes to human evolution, it's their aqidah. It's not their science. It's their creed that they hold fast to. Once it's their creed, they give it a lot of scientific dressing, no doubt. There are a lot of things they will say, right? But it defies the laws of science. More important answer to your question is that you have to make your iman strong. If your iman and yaqeen is strong, one of the mashayikh said that yaqeen means that if I was to lock you up with 1,000 atheists for 1,000 years, it wouldn't put one dent in your iman. That's the type of yaqeen you should have. You will get yaqeen and iman when you start practicing Islam. When you practice Islam and feel the power of iman, you will have yaqeen. One example I'll give you from Quran. You have to practice Imam al-Ghazali, in a beautiful passage in one of his works, he explains this. That if you want to have yaqeen, you have to live Islam. When you live it, you will experience its haqiqah, its reality. 
And when you experience its reality, you will know it's haq. And he gives examples. I'll give you an example. So there's a verse in Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ That you make zikr of me, I, Allah, will make zikr of you. When you experience this verse, you will never be able to doubt the existence of Allah Ta'ala again. As when you make more and more zikr of Allah Ta'ala, necessarily according to Quran, Allah Ta'ala will make zikr of us. One day you will feel Allah Ta'ala's zikr of you. I cannot explain to you beyond this. You will feel, you will become the mafkur of Allah Ta'ala. It's a promise in Quran. You will feel something. That's called yakin. That's called qurb. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, make sajda and get qurb towards me. So when you get that feeling of qurb, you will know with yakin because you will have experienced, experienced the reality that Allah Ta'ala does exist. I've experienced His hidayah. I've experienced His qurb. I've experienced His zikr of me. Once you experience it, then nothing can ever shake you from Islam. You will know that there's no truth like the truth of Quran. There's no truth like the truth of Nabi alayhi salam. There's no truth like the truth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you have to experience the reality of Islam. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, مَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ You need to experience that. means that whoever places their trust in Allah Ta'ala completely and perfectly, Allah Ta'ala will become sufficient for them. Now, right now it's just a sentence I recited and translated. The Quran is not just about wordings. It's not just to be recited. It's not just about meanings. It's not just to be translated. It's about feelings. You have to get that feeling of tawakkul. When you get that feeling of tawakkul, you will find in your life, Allah Ta'ala is sufficient for you. You will have yakin that this kalam is correct. You will know it's true. When you get the feelings of Quran. So wordings won't get you yakin. Wordings alone will not get you yakin. Meanings alone will not get you yakin. It's the feelings of Islam that will get you yakin. Once you get those feelings, then there's no class that will inshallah ta'ala be able to deprive you of your iman. And may Allah ta'ala protect all of our iman. We are all fragile. Nabi Akrim so some said that one of the signs of the day of judgment is that a person will wake up a believer and go to sleep an unbeliever. So fragile. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar Kameera. So we should make dua that Allah ta'ala keep our iman, the iman of our families, our children, the youth of this ummah, all of our descendants and progeny until Yom Al-Din, may Allah Ta'ala keep our Iman methods. Make dua subhanahu wa minana wa hamana wa sallina sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim rabbana dhalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin rabbik fir warham wa anta khairul rahimeen Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are your weak, sinning servants and slaves. Ya Allah, we came here today to learn how to become closer to you, to become more beloved to you, to become more loyal to you, to become more loving to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, accept our wish, accept our intention. Your beloved messenger, Salsam, he said, that you will give everyone what they intend. Ya Allah, today we intend only and only to become pleasing to you, to become obedient to you. Accept it, Ya Allah. Accept Accept this from us, Ya Allah. Even before we have tried and we failed, Ya Rabbi Kareem, our nafs would pull us down. The dunya would drag us back. Shaitan would send his whisperings. Ya Allah, we ask you take mercy on us, Ya Allah. You said in Quran, Allahu aliyul ladina amanu yukhrijuhum min al-zulamati ila nur that you are our friend, Ya Allah, and you will take us out from the darkness of sin into the nur of ibadah, the nur of obedience. Ya Rabbi Kareem, take us out, Ya Allah. Rescue us 
us, Ya Allah. Take us out from our laziness. Take us out from our sinfulness. Take us out from our idleness. Ya Allah, bring us into the path of deen. Make us strong in our deen. Steadfast in deen. Passionate about deen. Ya Allah, we do shukr to you for every qabiliyya, every skill and talent you gave us. Ya Allah, we ask that you enable us to use all of these skills only in your obedience, only for your pleasure, for the khidmat of the ummah, for the khidmat of deen. And Ya Allah, when you gave us so many skills and talents in the dunya, Ya Allah, we beg if you grant us the skills of deen, Ya Allah. Grant us the grating blessing called taqwa, Ya Allah. So many years have passed that we have been iman, but we will get taqwa, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Grant it to us, Ya Allah. Gift it to us, Ya Allah. Until wahab. Gift it to us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Grant us haya, Ya Allah. Grant us the haya of the eyes. Grant us the haya in our dress. Grant us haya in our heart. Grant us the haya of our mind. Ya Rabbi Kareem. We are shameful, Ya Allah. We are repenting to you. Ya Allah, grant all of the women the haya that resembles Sayyidina Maryam radiallahu ta'ala anha. Ya Allah, grant all the men a haya that resembles the haya of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Ya Allah, you put these beautiful stories for us in the Quran. We failed to learn from them. We failed to follow them. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make it easy for us, Ya Allah. Take out all the unlawful feelings from our heart. Take out all the unlawful lust from our heart. Take out all the unlawful romance from our heart. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, fill our heart with a love for you, a passion for you. Ya Allah, we want to be the meaning of this verse. We want to feel the feeling of this verse. Ya Allah, make us deeply in love with you, in love with Deen Islam, in love with Quran, in love with Nabi Salam, in love with all of his Sunnah, in love with all of his Sirah, in love with all of his Sahaba, in love with Siddiqeen, in love with Shuhada, in love with Salihin, in love with all of the Mu'mineen. Ya Allah, unite us on this love, join us on this love. Ya Allah, raise us up on the Day of Judgment amongst the Al-Mutahab, Buna, and those who were raised in this love, who felt this love. Ya Rabbi Kareem, our heart has become unloving towards these things, and we have fallen in love with dunya, in love with our own selves, with non-mahram. Ya Allah, rescue us, Ya Allah. Take out every attraction from non-mahram from our heart. Take out every materialistic greed from our heart. Take out every self-love vanity from our heart, and put the pure loves in our heart, the pure thoughts in our mind, the pure actions in our day. Ya Allah, Rabbi Kareem, all of those who are studying or working, Ya Allah, put barakah in their studies, put barakah in their work, protect our iman, safeguard our iman. Ya Allah, we are living in a time of fitna and fasad, fisk and fujur. There's so many forces trying to pull us astray. But Ya Allah, you are al-hadi, Ya Allah. You are the giver of hidayah. Send your hidayah on us. Ya Allah, you said in Quran, May yu'min billahi yahdi kalbahu, that whomsoever accepts iman in you, you will send your direct hidayah on their heart. Ya Allah, we are mu'mineen. Alhamdulillah, we are of tawheed. We have never bowed to anyone other than you. We have never made sajda to anyone other than you. Ya Allah, send your hidayah on our hearts. Give us another chance, Ya Allah. Inspire us once again. Soften our heart towards the deen. Incline our heart towards the deen. Attract our heart towards the deen. Ya Allah, anything and everything in this world that is displeasing to you, make it displeasing to us. Put karaha for it in our heart. And anything and everything in this world that is pleasing to you, let make it pleasing to us. Make it attractive in our heart. Ya Allah, if there's anything about us that is displeasing to you, we want to change it, Ya Allah. We ask that you change it for us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Make us according to your wish, Ya Allah. Mold us according to your pleasure, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, in Quran you spoke
spoke of Simhutullah. You know, we also want that Simha. We want to be dyed in your pleasure. We want to be colored in your pleasure. We want to be colored according to your wishes. You know, Bikreen, we ask that you grant us the outer beauty of the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, grant us the inner beauty of the adab and akhlaq of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, Bikreen, all of the heartfelt du'as of all those who are present, they, whatever they are seeking from you in their heart, from the deen, from akhirah, whatever sins we are making tobab, and accept all the heartfelt du'as, the unsaid du'as, the unspoken du'as, and accept our toba on this day. Lord, forgive us for all the sins that we ever did. Forgive us for the sins that we did in the day. Forgive us for the sins that we did at night. Forgive us for the sins that we did publicly. Forgive us for the sins that we did privately. Lord, forgive us for the violations we did of hukukullah. Forgive us for the hearts of others that we hurt. Lord, forgive us for the sins that we remember. Forgive us for the sins that we've even forgotten that we did them. Lord, take us out from these sinful ways. Take out the sinful feelings from our heart. Take out the temptation of sin. Erase the memories of sin. Remove the longing of sin. And place in our heart a longing for you. A yearning for you. And we too want to be amongst those people. Allah, who are yearning to meet you. We want that day to be yawm al-liqa. We want that day of judgment to be a day of meeting you. We want tahiyyatuhum yawma yalqawnahu salam. We want you to greet us with your salam, Ya Allah. Make it so, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Grant us this path of deen. Grant us istiqamat on deen. Grant us sirat al-mustaqeem. Ya Allah, connect our hearts to all the good company of this world. You said in Quran, kunu ma'asadikeen, that we should join with the true ones. Ya Allah, let our friends be the friends of deen. Let our companions be companions of deen. Let our heart be attached to people of deen. And through that attachment, Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept us also for deen. Ya Allah, any of our friends colleagues, family members, students, teachers, Ya Rabbi Karim, who have yet to discover you, Ya Allah, send your hidayah on them as well, Ya Allah. Introduce yourself to them. Introduce your mercy to them. You will find their hearts accepting to you. You will find they will be better than us to you. Ya Rabbi Karim, we ask that you send your hidayah on the entire ummah, your maghfra on the entire ummah, perfect hifaza on your entire ummah. And Ya Rabbi Karim, wherever the ummah is in difficulty, is in worry, Ya Allah, send your special mother the nusra on them. Your special help on them. You are the one who can provide hope where there is no hope. You are the one who can provide help where there is no help. And you'll accept each and every one of us for the khidmat of deen, for the khidmat of this ummah. Ya Allah, ya Rahman Rahimin. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta samiyul alim. Wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabul rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma. Mayin, Birahmatika, Ya Arhamar Rahimin.